we were birthed as a Christian nation. Did you know that's true? And uh, I'm going to show you that tonight. But I want you to know where Thanksgiving came from. This isn't going to take long. But I want to give you a history lesson. You know, churches ought to be educational in an inspirational kind of way. So tonight, I want you to know why we are going to chow down on turkey in two days. Where it all started. Okay? How many of you can't wait for that? I told Kathy on the way here, I said, I cannot believe it's this time again. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I'll go ahead and be a little transparent. We get our turkey from Luby's. And I'm always dispatched to go get it. And tonight, I said, Kathy, did we do it on Christmas also? She said, no, it's Thanksgiving. I feel like I'm living in warp speed. I, it seems to me like a month ago, I was at Luby's. Waiting in line with all those people in their night clothes, pajamas, hair all messed up, grabbing their turkeys. So anyway, here we are again. Well, let's pray tonight that our church will have an understanding of where we got this day. Lord, we thank you for being with us tonight. And Lord, help us to be not just a a fervent church, but an educated church so that we can answer the enemies of Christianity with the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn to your neighbor and tell them, thank God this is going to be good tonight. (laughs) Celebrating Thanksgiving in America. Now, let me just take you right down to the pilgrims. How many of you have ever heard of the pilgrims? All right, pilgrims. Now, let me take you to the pilgrims. The pilgrims set sail for America on September 6th, 1620. And for two months, they braved the harsh elements of a storm-tossed sea. You ladies, let me tell you, um, who have, like Kathy, if you were put into a town where there's no mall, you get the shakes. Can you imagine? I'm not against women here. No. I'm, this is off to a great start. But do you know, and I, and I talked about Abraham Sunday and Sarah having to ride camels for 400 miles. Okay? Now, the pilgrims went across a storm-tossed sea for two months. Two months. And trust me, it wasn't Carnival, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines. This was sickness. This was uh, disease. This was dirty. This was difficult. This was scary. This was unknown. You didn't have GPS. You didn't have any of these things. Just looking at the stars, a compass, praying for good weather, and off you went. So there they go. And upon disembarking at Plymouth Rock, they held a prayer service. And then they hastily began building shelters. Build a shelter or die. However, they were not prepared for the harsh New England winter that greeted them. You ready? Nearly half of them died by spring. Nearly half who had braved that journey died. Emerging from that 
grueling winter where you never got warm. The pilgrims were surprised when an Indian named Samoset approached them and greeted them in their own language. Can you believe it? Explaining to them he'd learned English from fishermen and traders. A week later, Samoset returned with a friend named Squanto. This is true. Everybody say Squanto and say, thank God mama didn't name me that. Hey, Squant. But it was Squanto who lived with the pilgrims. And you know what he did? He got converted to the Christian faith. Squanto taught the pilgrims much about how to live in the new world, how to survive. And he and Samoset helped forge a long-lasting peace treaty between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians. I want everybody to say with me, Wampanoag. Now turn to your neighbor and say, that is not speaking in tongues. But it might get you going. Wampanoag. See, I told you, you were going to learn some things. Wampanoag. How many of you have ever heard of that? Yeah, about six of you. Wampanoag Indians. So they made a peace treaty between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians. Pilgrim governor William Bradford described Squanto as, quote, a special instrument sent of God for our good, and he never left us till he died. That summer, the pilgrims, still persevering in prayer and assisted by helpful Indians, reaped a bountiful harvest. Now, as Pilgrim Edward Winslow, later to become the governor, affirmed, quote, God be praised. We had a good increase of Indian corn. By the goodness of God, we are far from want. Amen. Now, the grateful pilgrims therefore declared a three-day feast in December of 1621 to thank God and to celebrate with their Indian friends America's first Thanksgiving festival. So the first Thanksgiving festival, 1621, and it lasted three days. Can you imagine three days? I'm in trouble after one day with all that food. Now, watch this. 90 Wampanoag Indians joined the 50 pilgrims for three days of feasting. It included shellfish, lobsters, turkey, cornbread, berries, deer, and other foods. Everybody said to me, they knew how to eat. I mean, that's a good meal. I think, I hope we do that good Thursday. Now, and then they included in that three days of play and the young pilgrim and the Wampanoag men engaged in races, wrestling matches, athletic events, and three days of prayer. Now, this is the beginning, the beginning settlers of this country. Now, this celebration and its accompanying activities were the origin of the holiday that Americans now celebrate every November. However, while the pilgrims enjoy times of prosperity for which they thank God, they did indeed, folks, suffer extreme hardships. In 1623, they experienced an extended and prolonged drought. Significantly, shortly after that time of prayer, well, I must have skipped one. Now, knowing that without a change in the weather, there would be no harvest and the winter would be filled with death and starvation. Now, you got to put yourself in their minds. It's a drought. Nothing's going to grow. If something doesn't grow, winter's coming no matter what happens. 
Once winter comes, if we have no food, we're all going to die. So that made you really dependent on God. So Governor Bradford called the pilgrims to a time of prayer and fasting to seek God's direct intervention. Prayer and fasting, a governor called for that. Significantly, shortly after the time of prayer, and to the great amazement of the Indian, Indians who witnessed the scene, I'm just telling you what history has given us. Watch this. Clouds appeared after the time of prayer and fasting. Clouds appeared in the sky, and a gentle and steady rain began to fall. And here's what Governor Bradford explained. Quote, it came without either wind or thunder or any violence, and by degrees in abundance, as that ye earth was thoroughly wet and soaked therewith. We would say they had a gully washer, which did so apparently revive and quicken ye decayed corn and other fruits as was wonderful to see and made ye Indians astonished to behold. The Indians were watching and going, look at this. They fasted and prayed and look what their God did. And afterwards, the Lord sent them such seasonable showers with interchange of fair, warm weather as through his blessing caused a fruitful and liberal harvest to their no small comfort and rejoicing. The drought had been broken. Do you realize this points to the legacy of our nation? The legacy of our nation is when we got in trouble, we got breakthrough through prayer. That's the legacy of our nation. The fall, therefore, produced an abundant harvest. There was cause for another thanksgiving. And the pilgrim practice of designating an official time of thanksgiving spread into neighboring colonies and became an annual tradition. So thanksgiving, folks, was birthed because of a mighty answer to prayer. Isn't it funny how we get so detached from the real reason for the season? Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. And just as those neighboring colonies followed the pilgrims' example of calling for days of thanksgiving, so too did they adopt their practice of calling for a time of prayer and fasting. They said, wow, God did this when they prayed and fasted, so we're going to do it again, and we're going to remember to thank God for what he did. The New England colonies therefore developed a practice of calling for a day of prayer and fasting in the spring and a day of prayer and thanksgiving in the fall. It was all from prayer. But you got our secularists today who just want to dive into that turkey and they don't want to hear why we have it. But that's why we have it. Because God answered fasting and prayer. Now the Thanksgiving celebration so common throughout New England did not begin to spread southward until the American Revolution when Congress issued eight separate national Thanksgiving proclamations. I'm going to say that again. Congress. Can you imagine our Congress today doing this? Congress issued eight separate national Thanksgiving proclamations intending that the Thanksgiving would be going upward to God. Congress also issued seven separate proclamations for times of fasting and prayer. Selah. You know what Selah means in your Psalms? Stop and think about it. Thank you, Kathy. That was the pastor's wife said that. Now, 
selah means, think about it. Our Congress in the beginning issued seven different proclamations that we should fast and pray because they knew what happened when the pilgrims fasted and prayed and God broke through and kept them alive. For a total of official prayer proclamations during the American Revolution. Now, America's first national thanksgiving occurred in 1789. That was the first national thanksgiving. 1789. With the commencement of the federal government. (laughs) So the federal government was commenced with thanksgiving to God. According to the congressional record for September 25th of that year, the first act after the framers completed the framing of the Bill of Rights was that, quote, Mr. Elias Boudinot, I'm assuming, said he could not think of letting the session pass without offering an opportunity to all the citizens of the United States of joining with one voice in returning to Almighty God their sincere thanks for the many blessings he had poured down upon them. And you know, amen, you can thank God. It's so powerful. This is our roots. And as goes the roots, so goes the fruit. This is our roots. Okay? So they, they, they nationally, they call for every citizen of the country to give thanks to God. With this view, therefore, he would move the following resolution. Here's his resolution, quote, resolved that a joint committee of both houses be directed to wait upon the President of the United States to request that he would recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. Mr. Roger Sherman justified the practice of thanksgiving on any single event, not only as a laudable one in itself, but also as warranted by a number of precedents in holy writ. This example, he thought, worthy of a Christian imitation on the present occasion. That congressional resolution was delivered to President George Washington, who heartily concurred with the request and issued the first federal Thanksgiving proclamation, declaring in part, now here goes President Washington, quote, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the uh, providence of Almighty God. I'm going to read that again. Whereas it is the duty of all nations, Russia, China, Asia, all nations, to acknowledge God's providence, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. How many of you would vote for George today? Oh, my Now, therefore, I do, this is President Washington continuing, now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, 1789, that we may all unite to render unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection. And that same year, the Protestant Episcopal Church, of which President Washington was a member, announced that the first Thursday in November would become its regular day for giving thanks. Following President Washington's initial proclamation, national Thanksgiving proclamations occurred only sporadically, another by President Washington in 1795, one by John Adams in 1798, and again in 1799, one by James Madison in 1814, and again in 1815, etc. 
Most official Thanksgiving observances occurred at the state level. In fact, by 1815, the various state governments had issued at least 1,400 official prayer proclamations. Almost half for times of thanksgiving and prayer and the other half for times of fasting and prayer. Can you imagine the state of Texas saying, okay, we want to decree a day of fasting and prayer and thanksgiving to Almighty God, the God of the Holy Bible. Would you hit the ground and thank God for that? I would. And can you see with me, church, that as we have departed from this, have good things happened? No. No, they have not. Much of the credit for the adoption of Thanksgiving as an annual holiday may be attributed to Mrs. Sarah Joseph, Josepha Hale, the editor of Gotti's or Godie's Ladies Book, a popular ladies' book containing poetry, artwork, and articles by America's leading authors. So here comes a leading woman helping to initiate Thanksgiving. For two decades, she promoted the idea of a national Thanksgiving day, contacting president after president until Abraham Lincoln responded in 1863 by setting aside the last Thursday of that November. The Thanksgiving proclamation issued by Lincoln was remarkable not only for its strong religious content, but also for its timing, for it was delivered in the midst of the darkest days of the Civil War. In the darkest days of the Civil War, he said, we must thank God as a nation. With the Union having lost battle after battle throughout the first three years of that conflict, yet despite those dark circumstances, Lincoln nevertheless called Americans to prayer with an air of positive optimism and genuine thankfulness. And I want you to notice what he said. The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source, capital S, from which they come. Others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Nobody could write like Abraham Lincoln. He goes on. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. Oh, gosh. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God. Who? while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath remembered nevertheless his mercy. Now that remarkable Thanksgiving proclamation came at a pitiful, pivotal point in Lincoln's spiritual life. Three months earlier, the Battle of Gettysburg had occurred. 60,000 American lives were lost. And it had been while Lincoln was walking among the thousands of graves there at Gettysburg. Did you know this? Then is when he first committed his heart to Christ. As he was looking at all these dead young men, American men, and look what he later explained to a clergyman. He said, when I left Springfield, Illinois, to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son 
the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there concentrated myself to, to Christ. Their dramatic spiritual impact resulting from that experience was not only visible in Lincoln's Thanksgiving Day proclamation, but especially in his 1865 second inaugural address. Over the 75 years following Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation, presidents faithfully followed Lincoln's precedent. So it was Lincoln who finally said it in concrete, the last Thursday of November is when we celebrate Thanksgiving. Annually declaring a national Thanksgiving Day, in 1933, FDR began celebrating Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of each November. And in 1941, Congress pre uh, permanently established that day as the national Thanksgiving holiday. As we celebrate Thanksgiving this year, let's remember to retain the original gratefulness to God that has always been the spirit of this, the oldest of all American holidays, older than Christmas. Let's close by looking at just a couple of the Thanksgiving proclamations made by past Congresses. The only reason I put this in here is I want you to see what Congress used to do Amen. and what they can still do. Amen. Congress recommended a day of Thanksgiving and praise. I'm going to read that again. Congress recommended a day of Thanksgiving and praise so that the good people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts and join their humble and earnest supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ. That's from a Congress. Through the merits of Jesus Christ. Mercifully to forgive our sins and to enlarge his kingdom, which consisteth in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That was a Congress. One more. That was the Continental Congress of 1777 written by signers of the Declaration, Samuel Adams and Richard Henry Lee. Now here's one more and then we're done. I appoint a day of public thanksgiving to Almighty God to ask him that he would, catch this, read it out loud with me, pour out his Holy Spirit on all ministers of the gospel. Oh man, can you imagine this? That's what they used to do. Wouldn't it just blow your mind to see our Congress on television, on C-SPAN, saying, Lord, pour your Holy Ghost out on all the preachers of the gospel in this country. Wow. But this is the, the historic record. That he would, capital H, he, God, spread the light of Christian knowledge through the remotest corners of the earth and that he would establish these United States upon the basis of religion and virtue. Thomas Jefferson wrote that in 1779. Let's stand together. Where did Thanksgiving come from? When the original pilgrims had to fast and pray that a drought would be broken and God broke it. And they said, we've got to honor this by thanking God every year annually for a special day. Who established Thanksgiving as a national holiday where we would praise God, pray unto God, where we would seek him and turn from our sins and pray that his Holy Spirit is poured out? Congress did. So let's lift our hands and thank the Lord this Thanksgiving.
Father, thank you for illuminating us tonight as to the powerful spiritual Christian Holy Spirit roots of America. How far we have drifted, Lord. How tragically we've departed. Lord, have mercy on America. Birthed in you, presented to you by Christian men, set aside and consecrated to you by those who knew your forgiveness and your son. Lord, bring us back by some miracle. Bring us back. By a move of God, bring us back to that precious place of humility and acknowledgement of the providence of God. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.